The Rebrand Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. This podcast tells the stories of world-changing marketing campaigns as told by the people who build them. In each episode, you'll hear an earful of brilliance from a marketer who has brought an iconic brand to life. Ready to hear the secrets and untold stories behind the brand you love? Then sit back, relax, and get ready for the rebrand. Here's the host of the Rebrand Podcast, the CEO of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey. All right, welcome to the Rebrand Podcast, where we tell the untold stories of world-changing brand campaigns as told by the marketers who built them. I'm your host and founder of the Harkey Group, Scott Harkey, and today we're going to hear and talk about how Geek Squad could be Best Buy's secret weapon. Joining us is Mike Linton, who's the former CMO at Ancestry. Mike's the former CMO at multiple publicly traded companies, including Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and most recently, Ancestry.com. Today, Mike and I are going to discuss a lot of things, but we're also going to get in and dive into rationalize Best Buy's Geek Squad. Before this podcast, Mike and I were diving into all sorts of stuff. I think he is the secret secret weapon for any marketing people working in corporate marketing world. So we're going to dive into a ton of stuff. All right, here's my conversation with Mike Linton, former CMO at Ancestry. Mike, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Scott, God, thanks for the intro. That's like, like it's, it's fabulous. I, if I need a PR person, I know who I'm going to call. It's going to be you. <laughs> we're marketing people here. But I mean, we had former CM, we have the current CMO at Rocket Mortgage on our show. We had former CMO at King's Hawaiian on this show, both of them friends of mine. And we talk about the corporate marketing world. I do want to get into Geek Squad, of course, but I think what we were talking about earlier was fascinating. So I want to jump right into it because we want to be a tool for CMOs, for VPs of marketing, for marketing directors working in this corporate political environment. I see it all the time as an agency. And you said something to me and it like stopped me in my tracks as I was like screwing around with my microphone trying to get this thing going. But you said... Marketing is not a democracy, and what you negotiate up front in terms of decision rights are really important. Can we dive into that really quick, Mike? Sure. And here's the thing. I think marketing is the least consistent, most differently managed, and with different expectations function in the C-suite, and that's why it turns over so fast. And I think one of the things that makes it turn over, and it's, it's super important to get the right job and to have good decision rights, is... A lot of companies treat it like a democracy, and democracy is horrible for marketing. The most passionate consumers in your company, I mean, the most passionate consumers of your marketing are almost always in your company, and they always want to vote on it. And if you let them, it will round off all the edges of the marketing. It will be inconsistent, but it still will be your responsibility. And so we can talk about the decision rights and how you pick the right job, whatever. Yeah, you want. how do you do that? So you, you're taking a, a high level marketing job, or you're in a you're in a company, and you're doing the strategy right, you're doing the qualitative and quantitative right. You have you have the right consumer insight, and you're getting ready to launch, or even before that, you're taking a new marketing job. How do you negotiate those decision rights and convince people that by voting it's going to get in the way? I mean, I always say 
creative by committee doesn't work <laughs> and it's it's my nightmare. Alan, it takes, all, it takes um, all the edges of takes all the edge and all 100%. the choice of and you're a consumer, you're gonna get four to ten thousand marketing things a day. What happens when you let a democracy and a company vote is everyone votes and they change the story way faster than the consumer can absorb it. And then they actually will overvote on things. I have this thing, I'm not, I try not to take a job where I don't have control of the final creative, the final media, the movement of the budget. And also if it's leveled wrong, you can't take it because then the, the top levels will make the calls and they will vote, but then you'll be held accountable. How do you do that? So, I mean, I mean, you've been a major CMO, so you come in and you're like, look, if you want things to work, negotiate the, the compensation side, but here's really what I need before I take this job. And they say, okay. Yeah, I, I try and set the, the length of time it's going to take to have an impact because people will think you're going to work magic. And a lot of times you are not, and you don't want to, you don't want to claim that. Two, I negotiate a lot of the, I try and negotiate a lot of the decision rights up front. Like who, who was in, and I'll just ask sample decisions. And if I get a lot of wrong answers, I think this is a job where I will be a manager of the team, but the company will tell me who I'm playing and that won't work. And then the other thing, you got to defend those decision rights all the time. Cause once you let people start voting, they will keep voting. And you see that in a lot of advertising. I'll just pick on auto advertising where it's the best auto in its class with this cup holders and it has dollars off and it looks great too. And seats 12 and you can tell they just put everything in there versus the ultimate driving machine which is a much better story but if you let everybody vote you almost always get that kind of and advertising is an easy one but you get it in email you get it in all kinds of things and and you don't want it so you got to negotiate it up front on the way in and then you got to protect it once you get it i do see a trait of marketing leaders I mean, and even entrepreneur founders who are really playing a marketing role, like we had Todd Davis on our show from LifeLock. And a character trait of really good marketers is, is having a strong backbone and having heavy confidence to fight for the brand and what you believe in and what you're seeing and to give you those decision rights. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, the best, like even Casey at Rocket Mortgage. I mean, he's running the show. And if you don't, you're going to get blamed for it. If it's watered down, it doesn't work, you're going to get fired. And the average, I think, CMO tenure, I mean, it was 18 months. Maybe it's 21 months. Maybe it's 23 months. Maybe it's 16 months. I don't know. But I think that's really, really smart what you're saying. And there's a lot of people that are allowing themselves as marketing directors, VPs of marketing, CMOs to get railroaded by a committee or a board or whoever. And it's the only function in the C-suite where everyone sees all your stuff, but they see everybody else's stuff. So they are seeing best in class all day and they all have opinions, which I think is totally right. You want to listen to those opinions, but they shouldn't get to vote. So I try and absorb the opinions, but not let people vote because if you let people vote, you will get a mismatch of stuff. And also your job is to represent the consumer, not the company. You're supposed to match the consumer with the company. And a lot of times the company wants certain things or it wants to sell things the way the consumer can't hear it. And once you let that happen, you're still accountable for sales and profit usually. And if you let other people vote, you will get very inconsistent marketplace results and you won't really be running the function either. And I like how you clarified getting input's okay, but not a vote and collaborating and getting input. And I'm a big fan of getting like input and alignment upfront from all different stakeholders. And then taking the consumer insight. And a lot of times people on the C-suite or board members or other people within companies just want to feel heard and just want to provide 
their insight into the business. And as long as you've listened beforehand, anything you come back with will ultimately sort of feel like their idea. Yeah, well, I also think you're like a major league manager here. You've got a million medias you can use. You've got thousands of creatives you can put in those medias. And you have various levels you can spend for either growth or profit or to give the company back money. And so as a major league manager, you're going to make millions of decisions. You want as many much input as you can get, but you don't want to turn over those decision rights. You still got to deliver the results on the field. And so the decision rights are important. And I will always defend them by saying, you know, people will say, look, I'm a consumer. I watch TV. I, uh, I listen to the radio. I get emails. I get search. Therefore, I'm a consumer. This is the equivalent of me saying, I have a checking account. I have investments. I have stocks. I have bonds. I have international investments even. I use Venmo. Therefore, I am a CFO. And it's just not like that, but people will use that argument. It's the only job in the world that everyone can play armchair quarterback. I can't tell you how many times we deliver a concept that I'm so excited about. Like the CEO or somebody will go home and sleep on it and then like, someone's wife is like, not, you know, has input and then they've changed their mind, you know, and then it comes back different. I'm never going to let that happen. That's one. Two, the second thing, I've never changed creative agencies when I've come in. I I think that is a super thing. Yeah, I think it's horrible. And unless it is terrible work, and I've never had that, I think if you come in as the CMO and the first thing you do is change the agency or that's the biggest decision you make, you are sending, in my mind, some really bad signals. The first is, that you think the advertising is the problem. The second is that you're going to fix that problem. The third thing is that is not going to get fixed for at least a year, no matter how fast the agency is. And you are signaling, like the problem may be pricing, it may be value, it may be product, it may be distribution, it could be anything. When you do that, when you come in, you are actually signaling that the marketing is going to solve it. I try never to do that until I fully understand it. And if the marketing can solve it, we will. But a lot of times the marketing in some businesses is trying to sell something that doesn't have a great value prop. And by changing the agency, the value prop doesn't change at all. In 20 plus years in this industry, I've never heard that insight or a CMO say, I I don't come in and change the creative agency right away. That is, that's really interesting because you're setting expectations within the organization. You're going to come wave a magic wand and fix sales and fix everything else when there's probably a lot of product and service and all sorts of other things to look at and and tweak with. I think this goes a lot to the decision rights thing and the expectations of the job, which is, as you're talking about what you're going to do when you come in, if you don't understand how the company makes money and the financials of the company, and you are just fixated on the marketing, you may or may not succeed. But a lot of times they're bringing you in and you watch companies do this. They're trading out a CMO every two years. Yep. Yes. Pretty standard for the industry, actually. Maybe all those CMOs really suck. The chance, though, is that they don't. The, the issue is probably not the marketing. There's some product issue, competitive issue, value issue, distribution issue. But the company is trying to solve it by convincing the consumers it's that the marketing can do it. And I think a lot of CMOs play into that when they show up and immediately trade out the agency. Yeah, it's almost like they want the the prescription to get rid of the pain, even though there's a lot of root cause issues that need to be looked at. Yeah, I, I try... My thing is, we'll build out all the analytics, we'll build out the consumer data, and if we will fix what is possible with the marketing, and maybe we'll drive the business like we did at at a couple of companies. But sometimes 
the issue isn't the marketing. The issue is the consumer value proposition. And your job is to represent that back to the company and then do your best to, to fix it however you can with marketing. But I think a lot of times people send signals that marketing is magic. And that may have worked like in the Don Draper years. <laughs> but now when you have instant validation by consumers and instant comparison, the product and the service actually has to deliver the value prop and the marketing can't cover that up if it's no good. Okay, we did hint that we would get into Best Buy Geek Squad. And I have a feeling that it's going to get into kind of what you're talking around, which is maybe it's product differentiation or some things that Best Buy had maybe an opportunity that they missed with Geek Squad. So let's dive into Geek Squad a little bit. I, I love this case study. So why don't we jump into what we were originally going to talk about. But I, I love that. I love the detour. I think it's super helpful. And I, I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. I don't hear a lot of CMOs talk about it. So thank you for that. I think that was really valuable for our community here. So Geek Squad was a super win. One of the merchants at Best Buy found Geek Squad in Minneapolis, where Best Buy is headquartered. At the time, it was 11 people. And this was long, long ago when it got all too far away. But the idea three of us had, and the merchant that found this was really shrewd about it, was fixing like just computers and systems in the house is going to be a big business. And a bunch of us got together and decided there's probably only going to be room for one company here. And if you're first, you will get the bulk of the brand positioning. So we went to the company and that was, I will say, a lot of my years at Best Buy was like, we're like Camelot. Uh, we went to the company, <laughs> gave them a, a safe choice and an aggressive choice to expand it. And they let us do the aggressive choice. And we blew it out in a couple of years, like two years. And it was lightning in a bottle when you brought Geek Squad over. It was like, boom. It was. And the argument was, should we change the name? At least one of the marketing arguments. And I ran the call centers then too. So you had to hire a huge amount of people. We had to buy all the VWs we could find. The merchant had to scale this. The services folks had to scale this. And we turned on the marketing. But there was a big argument of, should this be Geek Squad or should this be Best Buy? Should we change the name? And normally, I'm a brand consolidator. But to me, at the time, and my team, we believed the name had to stay Geek Squad. Because, and that was all consumer driven. You watch consumers, they wanted geeks working on their technology. But that same people, and they didn't want those same geeks installing like washer and dryer, for example. Yeah, yeah. And at brilliant. The time, we didn't sell, we, at Best Buy didn't sell Apple or Dell or anything. And our belief was Geek Squad could service all of them. But if it was named Best Buy, that wouldn't happen. And so... And that was the beauty of the company at that time. You could argue with the founder, Dick Schultz, and, and win that argument. And we did. And that look, that was a blast. I love that you are open to change. Like you, I'm also a brand consolidator. I like size and scale. But there are time for specialization within companies that just make sense. And I think that's what I'm hearing from, from a Geek Squad perspective. Like Intel, you know, Intel had the, you know, they were like the Intel inside. That's kind of what I thought of like the Geek Squad of being like, the inside fix-it person for people. And you're right, if it was Best Buy, they, they really don't have a permission to win in that category without a, a specialized service that's, that's different, I, I feel like. I don't know. And two things we, we saw from a consumer perspective. One, the computer at the time, and probably still is, one of the most frustrating things of all the technology and appliance, anything that ran on electricity in your house. If your refrigerator went down, you were mad. Your TV went down, you're super mad, particularly if it was Super Bowl weekend or something. But you could always go watch it somewhere else. If your computer went down, your life stopped. And also the computer would do stuff that incensed you by saying things like, 
does not recognize printer. And we were in a focus group and the consumers are like, it obviously recognizes the printer because it is telling me it doesn't recognize the printer. <laughs> and, uh, and then they really wanted house calls. And our, our thing was Geek Squad can make those. And at the time, that was an unheard of idea. But that was a big deal. And we also thought in, in the long run, uh, you could maybe do standalone Geek Squad stores and everything else. And But in general, yeah, I'm a, I'm a brand consolidator too, because I think consumers don't need a lot of brands. They already have too many choices. But in this case, this was an exception for me. Okay, we, we have a CMO who's been at top tech companies, top brands here. This question for me comes up all the time. It probably comes up for other agencies or other CMOs or people. What is your thoughts overall? And you sparked my this thought when you when you talked about the focus groups microsoft does you know they test everything apple tested nothing what is your overall thoughts around creative testing before going out to marketplace i like to be flexible on the testing i think there's some stuff every year i would try and create a four box grid stuff we know in the long run stuff we know in the short run stuff we don't know in the long run stuff we don't know in the short run if we could test things like we tested reward zone or ebay bucks at ebay as a loyalty program we would there's some stuff where you can't test it. And also the consumer can't tell you. And also by testing it, you may ruin it. Like, like at Best Buy, we, me and the music guy did a deal with the Rolling Stones and did the first ever, we're going to take the rights to actually, we didn't produce it, but we'll manufacture it and distribute it across North America. And in turn, you'll come into the advertising and, and we will guarantee platinum sales. And then we traded a lot of stuff. And that's not one you're going to test. You're going to, you're going to look at all the available data and say, it's a worthwhile risk or not. A lot of PRs. That. And I think there's two things I will say. If I can test it and I feel like the test is fair, I will. But I won't just test stuff to test it because then I am, I will round out down all the creative and all the risk will be ground out of my team. I won't do anything edgy because I will insist on the testing and then people will make shit up to test. Like when people are like, I want to forecast an innovation. If it's a true innovation, yeah, maybe you can get close on the forecast or you can have some parallels. But if you spend hours trying to figure out exactly what an innovation does, it by definition is probably not an innovation. And look, I started at Proctor and you could test a lot of stuff and you had time because you could take two years if you needed to test it and roll it out. A lot of things in technology or entertainment or surely in things like toys or anything. You don't get that luxury, so you have to do your best. And I think anybody that's a slave to, we got to test everything, is going to cut the creative arms off of their agency and their teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it can get watered down for sure, and there's no, there's no risk. No, I will add one thing. Once you put it in market, you better be measuring it. And if it yeah. sucks, you better shoot it. If you want to take the risk, that's great. Take the risk. And I took some, but and some of them didn't work out. You will be the first one that should pull that from the field. What's a good amount of time when you know it's a, a flop? It depends. I launched early in my career. I launched a product at Progressive called Exotic Car that sold no policies. It was, <laughs> it, was a, it was a breakthrough in a lot of things. I sold no policies. It took me three months to pull it back. I should have pulled it back in one. I, I launched a recycled product at uh, James River Paper based on the research that said it was going to succeed. And we misread the research. We should have done, we, the consumers said they were all in, but they weren't really all in. They didn't want to pay more. And so we had to pull that back. But you want to be the, on the front end of being, if you're going to take that risk, you want to be on the front end of 
if it's not working, man, you ought to be the first one saying it's not working. And if you need more time, great. But don't be saying it's working when it's not, because then you'll never get another chance at a judgment thing. I love that. I think marketers, you're hearing one of the top CMOs in the world saying like, if you, and it's okay to fail at times, but you better admit it's going to fail and quote unquote, shoot it in the head, be done with it, move on. And here's why they won't, if you have decision rights, the way you keep them is you exercise them pretty sternly on your own stuff. And when you put something on and it is not working, you do not want to be the person at the senior lead team saying, look, you guys don't understand or you team don't really understand. It's going to work later. You ought to say it's off to a really bad start. And we are kind of concerned it's not going to work. Here's the next data point. And if it comes in like this, we will take it off the field. And if you are always defending your own stuff to the max, then you will lose your decision rights. People are going to give you those decision rights based on objectivity. And if your team doesn't have it, they will start helping you make decisions. And that's when democracy gets really bad for you. All right. Community of marketers, school's in session and Mike's going to town. Look, we have one of the top CMOs in the world. I'm a former CMO of eBay, Best Buy, Ancestry, Farmers. I can go on and on. I hope you have your notepads out. I definitely, in a long time, learned a lot about corporate marketing and how to keep your job and how to do a good job and also how to fail. So I think we've learned a ton today. But we're going to do another one tomorrow, as you know we do. So we're going to wrap up this episode of the Rebrand Podcast. But don't worry, we're going to have Mike Linton back. Again, former CMO Ancestry. Thank you for joining us, Mike. In part two of this interview, which we publish tomorrow, Mike and I are going to discuss why the best marketers CMO'd eBay. I'm excited about this title. We have a little eBay community going on this podcast. Thanks to Benjamin Shapiro, our, our producer. So I, I know he uh, he got Mike to come on, which is pretty cool. eBay obviously had a ton of big rise to success. So I, I want to hear why the CMOs went to eBay. I want to hear Mike's experience. We're going to dive in more to how to be the best CMO, how to be the best marketing director, and, and more importantly, Importantly, how to how to manage cross-functional, you know, how to manage laterally with peers, which I see a lot of marketers fail at, which I've failed at before. So I think Mike's provided a ton of insight there. We do a pretty good job managing up and down sometimes, but how are you managing with peers? And, and that's the job of a marketing person. As, as Mike said, you're the baseball manager and you got to make a lot of decisions. So getting input, but having final decision rights, especially when it comes to marketing. That, that was great. Hey, if you can't wait till the next episode, you want to learn more about Mike, you'll find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter. And that's Michael A. Linton, L-I-N-T-O-N. Just one note in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance while taking notes, listen to this podcast. Just head over to our website, rebrandpod.com. We'll have all the summaries of our of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter. You can do all this stuff. You can apply to be a guest speaker on the Rebrand Podcast. You know, We're getting probably 20 or so a week. Really make sure when you're filling this out that we understand what brand you're working with and how your input can provide value to our marketing community. And uh, I'm excited about some of the new ones I've seen coming in. So if you've got a great one, we want to hear about it. Uh, you can always reach on social media. Our handle is at rebrandpod. Probably easier to find me, uh, Scott Harkey. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, all the stuff. My Twitter is SharkyAZ. But uh, reach out. Love connecting with more marketing people. I'm getting a ton of really cool people LinkedIn and with me. And even follow me on Instagram, Twitter. I, I love it. So let's continue to build this community together. And again, if you want a daily stream of our marketing brilliance in your podcast feed, just hit subscribe. We've got about 5,000 marketing community members subscribed. And again, just pops right in your phone, whether it's Spotify for me or others, Apple Podcasts or some of the others, iHeart, whoever. That's it for today. Remember, it's never too late to rebuild, reboot, or rebrand. <laughs>